John Basin has a very small book with the title, Let Go, Let Go of Whatever Makes You Stop. A favorite chapter title in that book of mine is entitled, Everyone Needs a Faith Lift. Everyone needs a faith lift. Isn't that true? I mean, we all deal. They don't come in the same size or shape, and they're not peculiar to any one set group, but we all deal with distractions in some measure, things that just at times cloud our judgments and disappointments at times that can weaken our resolve and difficulties. Difficulties of all sorts that sometimes just drain us and sap us of needed energy and strength. We do all need, at times, a faith lift. And so I would have us think about tonight the words of the Apostle Paul when he would write to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, and he would say, Encourage one another and build one another up just as in fact you are doing. Encourage one another. Edify. Build one another up just as in fact you are doing. Paul says you're doing this. Keep doing this because it's just that important. Everyone needs a faith lift. The power. The tremendous, tremendous power that we find through encouragement. Good evening. Welcome to all who are here. If you're visiting tonight, as I've been visiting with this church family this week, welcome to you. We, I am glad that you are here tonight. Find the book of Hebrews, please, in your New Testaments. Make your way to chapter 3. We want to look at a text of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 3. And while you're turning there, please, with this being the last night, please allow me to make a few personal remarks. I'd like to do that tonight. I want to extend my thanks to your good shepherds for the invitation to come and to spend these days with you. I do not take that lightly. That is a tremendous responsibility they have, and they take somewhat of a risk at times by asking men to come. And I appreciate the opportunity and the invitation to come and to spend these days with you. I really appreciate churches that still have services in the morning. That's just a wonderful thing that y'all are doing. And I appreciate you letting me be a part of that with the small group that was able to be with us in the morning. For all of you who have had me into your homes, the way that you have encouraged me, your hospitality, your kindness, the good food, you opened homes. You opened your homes. And I thank you for that. To your good preachers, to Ricky and to Jordan and to Jansen, uh, thank you for who you are and what you do. And we, we do what we do. We are good because we marry good women. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And to your good wives and your wonderful little ones, just a wonderful blessing. And I don't have to tell y'all how blessed you are to have the three men that you have doing the good work that they are doing. I could say some things about Ricky over 20 years ago uh, and the relationship we've had, the ways that he has encouraged me, the doors that he's opened up for me and his good wife. I so appreciate them and who they are. Noah and Michaela Dieselkamp send their greetings. Noah texted me after I got here and said, make sure before you leave that you tell the folks there that we miss them. And I said, but you can't come back. <laughs> 
but he's probably going to pull this up at some point and see if I said that I send greetings. We are so glad that Noah, Michaela, and Cohen, and, and Ellis, their, their family, is with us. And I, and I tell you that partly just to say that they are good people and he's doing a good work. And when he was here, you, you set him up to succeed. That's what the local church ought to do and be. And you did that very well. And I'm grateful for your shepherds and I'm grateful for this church that makes possible the training and the mentoring of young men to preach the gospel. Please keep doing what you're doing. And appreciate Ricky and his good work in that area. And I just want to commend you to God. I want to commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Thank you for letting me be a part of this this week. In Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, there is a context here, but I want to get two passages. In Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, beware or take heed, brethren. Hebrews 3 and verse 12, lest there be in any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Whenever you hear language that has something to do with departure or a departing from God, that ought to get our attention. And he says, beware brethren. You see, it's possible. You see, it's possible that it can be in you, it can be in me. And he describes it as an evil heart of unbelief and that that evil heart of unbelief can depart from the living God, can lose fellowship with God. This is serious language here in Ephesians 3 and verse 12. And so this is why he says what he says in verse 13. Encourage one another daily while it is called today. Encourage one another daily while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. I don't have to tell y'all that sin is deceitful. It always promises what it cannot deliver. And he says the plural imperative in Hebrews 3.13, each one encourage one. Daily. I think we get the daily. I think we get the encouragement daily. I think we understand about that, that encouraging one another is not something we do only on Sunday. Encouraging some, each other is not something we only do in the middle of the week on a Wednesday night. It's a daily. Encourage one another. Each one encourage one another daily. But this is what I missed. Maybe you didn't, but I, I'm the only one. He says, while it is still called today. I'll tell you my thoughts on that in the context and in the text. It's telling me not just to encourage someone, but to seize the opportunity to be an encourager. While I still have today, while it is still called for me today. And what that implies in my mind is at least two things. If I don't seize an opportunity when I have an opportunity, then that opportunity may not ever present itself to me. Something can happen to me. There is no assurance I have a tomorrow. What did I do with today as an encourager? 
But it's not just about me, it's about you, it's about someone else. Because see, I may be around, but that other person that I should be seizing an opportunity to minister to, to serve, to encourage, to, to build up, they may not be presentful in my life anymore. I, I might not have the opportunity with them. And he says, each one encourage one another while it is still called today. Lest anyone be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. I want to talk to us tonight. I want to encourage us together tonight with the power, the power of encouragement. What are we talking about? To encourage. It comes from two words. In and courage. To put courage into someone. I mean, we could get technical with it, and I'm not opposed at times to getting technical, but that gets pretty quickly above my pay grade when you're starting to do word studies and look at Greek and look at the language, but paraclete and parakaleo, and that connects itself at times with the Holy Spirit, who is an encourager and a revealer of truth. And, and the Holy Spirit, through the Word, can come alongside of us and prop us up and pick us up, minister us through the reading of the Scripture that imparts to us truth and encourages us with principles of truth. And I could connect that to the Holy Spirit, but I want to connect it to us. I want to connect it to you. I want you to be a Barnabas. I want you to use the gift that you have, and I want you to seize the opportunities that you have to come alongside of someone and prop them up when they need to be picked up. To put courage back into someone who's gotten disheartened, disillusioned, distracted. Put courage into them. You can do this because I know you're better than this. We make mistakes. We are human. We fail. We falter. Not using it as an excuse, but it happens. We get tripped up. We're not looking to rebel. We're not looking to depart. We're not wanting to have an evil heart of unbelief. We're not looking to have our hearts become hardened. We are still sensitive, but we get tripped up. We get caught off guard. We get overtaken in a trespass, Galatians chapter 6. And you come alongside of them and say, listen, you're better than this. I know who you are. And you let someone know that as long as you stand with God, as long as you stand with God, I stand with you. Put courage into someone. It's a single mom who's got a very difficult task. Put courage into her. It's a dad. It's a young man who's up against something and it's really tough. They're asking him to compromise his integrity. They're asking him to tell the lie. They're asking him to do something that he knows is unethical and anti what the Word says to do. And, and he's over his head and he needs a brother to come alongside and say, look, you like to talk about it? I've been where you are. I know the world can be cruel. And I know people can be cruel. And I'll stand with you. Because I know you want to stand with God. Put courage into people. Oh, how do we do that? How do we do that? The power of encouragement has everything to do with the power that keeps us connected to God, keeping us connected to God. We, we need to try to find a way to stay connected to God. 
There's a passage in Acts chapter 11. I, this is not going forward for me, so if, there we go. Thank you. You know, I'm depending upon guys sometimes that know more about this than I do. Connecting to God. I love what we see in Acts chapter 11. They sent Barnabas, Acts 11. You know the narrative in Acts 11, beginning in verse 22. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And it says when he got there, he encouraged them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. That's why you would send to Barnabas. And when this son of consolation, this son of encouragement, this Barnabas guy gets where he's going, what he does is he seizes an opportunity to encourage them all with this kind of heart to be true, loyal to the Lord. Acts 14, beginning verse 21, when they, talking about Paul and Barnabas, when they had preached the gospel to that city, had made many disciples. They returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we shall enter into the kingdom of God. You know, encouraging people means telling them what they need to hear. Being honest with them. Telling them that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Yes, all who live godly in Christ Jesus at times will suffer persecution. We live in a fallen world. We're surrounded by broken people. And yes, you're in the kingdom and you have every right and blessing of God through a promise to enter the eternal kingdom. But life will be hard at times. And Paul and Barnabas are encouraging them, encouraging them to continue in the faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul to the Thessalonians beginning in verse 11. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father. As a father deals with his own children. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. Encouraging. Like a father would do with his children. That was the apostle Paul with the saints. And he's comforting and he's charging and he's encouraging them to live lives worthy of God. But what can we do as encouragers to try to bring people closer to God, to help people be first better connected to God? What can we do? Well, I hope you can see one of the obvious things that we can do is, is share the Scriptures. That's what Paul and Barnabas do. We can share the Scriptures and in sharing the Scriptures, you're sharing with people the promises of God. And in sharing the Scriptures, you're sharing with people God. One of the things I do back home to try to pick people up when they've fallen, to try to put new heart and new energy and new strength and new courage back into people who are down in the valley, in the pit, as I try to take them to the Scriptures and connect Scriptures to the character of God, I want them to be reminded of who God is. And yes, there's some promises that He had made. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But I want them to hear something about God. Your Heavenly Father is this. Your Heavenly Father is this. Your Heavenly Father is this. He's faithful. He's mercy. He's love. He's compassion. He's grace. He's power. And here are promises He's made to you. And you're sharing the Scriptures. In my estimation, there's no better way next to prayer 
to putting new life and energy back into someone than sharing with them the promises of God in Scripture. But not just share Scriptures. You can share your story. When I talk about sharing your story, I think about a gentleman back home where I preach who came in some years ago on a Wednesday night and I had gotten to the building early. And he walked in and he told one of the gentlemen there that he was, he was looking for Paul White. And he took him to me. And he came to me he said, you don't know me, you've never met me, but I know your cousin who used to preach. And he found out I was coming to the Austin area he said, I needed to look you up and I found you. And he started sharing with me his story. We talked for a while, and later that night, I immersed him into Christ for the remission of his sins. That was a wonderful night. About two months later, a good friend of mine, who at the time was one of our elders, he called me and said, I'm coming to get you. I said, okay, where are we going? He said, we're going to pick up this brother that you baptized. I just got a call. He's drunk. And we went and picked him up. And we took him and we checked him in. Praise be to God, he has been sober for about five years. After two or three hard, difficult years, I went to him and I said, can I ask your permission for something? He said, anything. I said, do you mind, under the right situation and scenario, do you mind sometimes telling your story? He said, if it will help, I'll do it. Sometimes, when you share your story with someone, you're letting someone realize that if God, if God, if God did this for me, and I humbled myself and I trusted God one day at a time every day. 90 meetings in 90 days. If God did this for me, and if I trusted God and relied upon His grace and asked Him for His power every day, God did this for me, He can do this for you. He can minister to people and He can relate to people and He can encourage people in ways that I cannot. Does that make Him any better than me? No. Does that make me better, any better than Him? No. But God can and God has used this young man to save lives. And I say share your story. But I also say this. In connecting people to God, We're not making it about us. We're making it about God. People will not be better simply because they are around me. People are not necessarily going to be better just because they're connected to me. People are going to be better because they're around me and I'm trying to help them to be connected to God. It's not about me. So I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. When I say share the scriptures and share your story, people are better because people are connected to God. But not only just being connected to God, it's also being considerate 
being considerate of others. Considerate. How? Things that we say. You know, the Bible says an awful lot about words. The words that we speak. I'm thinking of Proverbs 12 and verse 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind or encouraging word cheers him up. A kind or encouraging word cheers him up. Or Proverbs 16 and verse 24. Pleasant or kind or courteous. Encouraging words are like honey. Sweet to the taste and good for health. Sweet. Good. They put new energy and strength back into someone. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And we can use our tongues for good things. When someone does good, don't just tell them they did good. If I wanted to encourage Matt Jones and I'm thinking, how do I encourage Matt? Well, I could go to Matt and say something to Matt about Matt. And there would be nothing wrong with that and I would, I would really mean it. But what if I go to Janine, his wife, and I say something to Janine about Matt? I'm thinking I've encouraged two people, not just one. Because here's what's going to happen. If I go to Janine and I say something good about Matt, that's going to encourage Janine. And then Janine, as soon as they get in the car, is going to tell Matt, you know, Paul told me this, and then it's going to encourage Matt. I love to do this. I love to find the little kids back home and tell one of the little kids something about their mom or dad. I love that. Because the, the, kids, are going to, the kids are going to tell it. They're going to go, Daddy, hey, Daddy, Mr. Paul said this about you. Last Sunday when you led singing, Mr. Paul said this about you. There's, there's, there's ways you can encourage a whole lot of people. Now, I'm going to say three things about the words we say. To encourage through the words that we say. Three things. Be genuine, generous, specific. Be genuine. I don't have to explain that, right? Be genuine. I mean, if I'm going to say something to Matt, it needs to be genuine. Generous. Generous. Man, I really appreciate you, Ricky. It's just, I just really appreciate you. I could say that five or six times, and okay, generous. Specific, genuine, generous, specific. I appreciate you. That doesn't say much. I appreciate you. Well, what? Be specific. Genuine, generous, specific in the words that we share. Here's the thing sometimes. I miss this for a long time. Sometimes we think that strong, dedicated, devoted Christians, and y'all know who they are. You have them all over this church. Sometimes that we think that the strong people don't need encouragement. Even the strongest of Christians get discouraged. Find one of your shepherds. Find one of their wives. Find one of your deacons. Find one of your Bible class teachers. Find one of the preachers. Find one of the senior saints that they're going to be here every time the doors are open and they don't feel good. Find them. Say something. But it's not just our words, it's our actions. It's, it's actions. 
his actions. I shared this back home a while ago. I want to share it with you. I was talking about the words and being genuine, generous, and specific, and then I started talking about actions. Don't just say something, do something. There are things we can do. One time I was coming home from a meeting and walked in the door and smelled like, it smells like chicken fried steak. Amy had cooked one of my favorite meals, chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, the gravy. Some of you right now are not going to hear anything else that I say because you're on chicken fried steak and gravy. And I started, the smell, and oh, and then, and then here's something else I knew. It's not just one of my favorite meals, but she took the time to think about me in advance in the week that I had had and, and, and doing something for me that sent a message that I appreciate you, appreciate what you've been doing. Here's your favorite meal. She worked really hard, and I sat down at the table, chicken fried steak, wow. And I'm thinking, okay, encourage her. I'm going I'm to speak. And, and genuine? If you can't be genuine after chicken fried steak, something's wrong with you. Generous and specific. And then and, and I started laying it on. Honey, you, you know, I appreciate what you did. And this means so much to me. I can tell you put thought into this. You made my favorite meal. You were thinking about me. And on and on and on and on and on. And then I just pushed myself back from the table. And say, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I mean, all the words, I'm in them. But what if I did this? What if instead of just saying something, I got up from the table and started clearing the table and started to go do the dishes? That's where I got in trouble at home. You know, the, the guys doing dishes. But, but, but we can. Things that you do, things that we do, that are intentional, that send a clear message to someone, you're important to me, I value you, I give thanks for who you are, I want to be a blessing to you, you've been a blessing to me. Actions, actions, actions. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Some of you don't even have to turn there. You already know it and you know it well. Let us consider, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stimulate one another into love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching, we may be in a time of a so much the more. Usually the Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is the passage that's brought up by preachers to encourage people to be back on a Sunday night when we'd had Sunday nights or on a Wednesday night when they're not there on Wednesday night or a Tuesday night of a meeting. And we take the Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 and say, look, you're not where you're supposed to be. I didn't see you in your pew. And I'm not saying that there's not some principles there to encourage people to be faithful. But there's a context here. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is not there to manipulate people to sit in a pew who don't really want to be there. 
Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is there to encourage us to consider others. Yes, to provoke, to stimulate unto deeper love and greater service, to, to do some things that can encourage and be a benefit and blessing to others. And I'm never going to practice Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 until I consider others. Consider others. It's possible for me to be in a pew every time the doors are open and still not fulfill Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Because Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is an intentional passage of Scripture that's designed to help us to appreciate the importance of considering others with a view towards stimulating them in a positive way. And so thoughts that we need to be having, and I believe that you do in this church because I know you have good shepherds and I know you hear good preaching, but thoughts that we need to have on Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is not just what we do during the service. I don't have to tell y'all that it would be discouraging, not encouraging, and I'm not saying this because I've seen it this week, so I just saying that. But it would be discouraging, not encouraging, if I'm up here preaching and I'm, I'm seeing people texting someone or watching the Monday night football game on Monday night. That would be discouraging. So the things that we do inside the assembly, when we are called together, we need to give attention to. But really, here's sometimes the things that we miss or I miss. It's not just during it's before and after. So when I know in advance, and here's what I always know, Sunday's the Lord's Day. This is what Christians do because it's Sunday. This is where I will be because it's the Lord's Day. And these are the people that I will be with on the Lord's Day, and these are the things that I'm going to participate in with some of the best people on the planet because it is Sunday. So I always know I've got a heads up. On Sunday, this is who I want to be, and this is what I want to do. And I don't think about that on Sunday at 8.30 when we start at 9. I think about that on Saturday. Or I think about that when maybe you're like me and you're an early riser and you're drinking coffee on Sunday at 5 or 5.30 in the morning. Here are some things I want to do before we even start. Here's a person I want to look for today. And I'm looking for this person today because this is what I want to say. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to offer. And I take opportunities. I'm intentional about those before we start. And I also want to take opportunities after the service is concluded. When the amen is said by the brother in the closing prayer. I've noticed here this week that when I leave, there are still people here talking. That's a wonderful thing. We have that back home. In fact, the people that sign up to lock things up around the building and kind of check the doors and other things, it's kind of hard sometimes to get folks to sign up for that because they know on Wednesday night when we start Bible class at 7, they're probably going to be at the building until at least 9.15. Do 
before, during, after. Considerate of others. Help connect people to God. Be considerate of others. And then finally, be committed, committed to fellowship. Be committed to fellowship. We started with the Hebrews 3 passage. Each one encouraged one. We noticed the plural imperative in Hebrews 3, 13. And I want you to think about that as it connects to fellowship. I think there's a reason why Luke, very early in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, when we are aware of those who gladly received the word and were baptized, Luke begins to paint a picture for us in Acts 2 and verse 42 about the early disciples continuing, continually devoting themselves to fellowship. Fellowship is a partnership. It is a participation in something. It is having a share in something. And as an encourager, I have the opportunity to have a share, to have a part, to have fellowship horizontally with this spiritual family. And I want to commit myself to that. As I commit myself first to God, I want to now commit myself to others in the family. And two questions as we finish up tonight and we finish up this week as encouragers. Who today, Lord? What today, Lord? If we just made that a part of our praying, if we just made that a part of our regular praying, Lord, who today? Lord, what today? As an encourager of others, who do I need to be concerned about? Who do I need to be watching for? What can I do? What can I say? Who today, Lord? What today, Lord? And we're in this together. You see, that, that's the wisdom of God. It's all over Scripture. The wisdom of our Heavenly Father is He gave us a family. And He says, you need each other. And you're better because of each other. And we can do this together. My middle son, my son and my youngest daughter, both graduated from Texas A&M. And I just, to be honest, was ignorant of the Texas A&M tradition and culture until Caleb, my son, started going there. And I got a call one day. He was a freshman in college. And I got a call one day. He says, Dad, Dad, you have to come. I said, what is it, Caleb? He goes, no, Dad, you have to come to a football game. And I said, well, tell me when. Get me a ticket. But tell me when. They're hard to get. And he said, you got to come early. And I did. And I'm glad I did. I learned something that day years ago on that Saturday when I got there early. The things I heard. things I saw. The rich tradition. There were five men before the football game. They were all dressed in white. Three of them were seniors. Two of them were juniors. They were called Yale leaders. When I left that day, I knew the purpose of Yale leaders 
they were very good at what they did. Over 100,000 people who were yelling, participating, motivating each other together because of those five men who were yell leaders. Their job was to get all of us engaged, excited, full of energy. If you leave misunderstanding this illustration and think that I'm comparing football to worship and I'm saying that our assembling together in worship to God who is the object of our worship and I'm equating worship as a, simply a pep rally, that is not what I'm saying. But this is what I'm saying. These men worked together. And because they worked together, they encouraged the whole to be on the same page with what they were inviting us to do. Do we see ourselves, allow me poetic license here, do we see ourselves as encouragement leaders? Everything we do must go between the goalposts of truth and love. Everything we do together as encouragement leaders must come between the goalposts of truth and love. And I'm afraid I've been some places where that church was really good on the truth side, not so good on the love side. And I'm afraid I've been in some places where brethren were really good on the love side, which I would really call that syrupy, sappy. They were really good on this side, but not good on the truth side. And what God does in the pages of His Scripture is He connects truth and love together. As encouragement leaders, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, working together in fellowship with God and now horizontally with one another, we need to be on the same page. We need to be in the language of Ephesians chapter 4, truthing in love, speaking the truth, and only the truth, but speaking it in love. Why? Because... Everyone at times needs a faith lift. And so is that you tonight? If it is, can I, can I help? I hope I've helped connect you to God. Not to me. I hope this week we've tried to connect you to God. Not to us. There's not life in me. There's only life in Jesus Christ. And in connecting you to God... To consider you. To let you know that you're important to me because you're important to God. You're important to this church because you're important to God. You matter to God. If you'd have been the only one, Jesus would have died for you. You believe that? And if you do, or because you do, are you willing to surrender yourself your life 
to the one who gave his life for you. And I want to encourage you, if you are not in Christ, to come to Christ tonight. He will save you. He will save you. I don't care what you've done. And when I say I don't care what you've done, I'm not minimizing what you've done. What I mean by I don't care what you've done is your sin. You have not run so far or fast that your sin is not one that can be forgiven and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Do you believe that? And there may be someone here tonight who's heard enough gospel to save most third world countries. Why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? Or maybe there's someone here tonight that's in Christ, headed for heaven, assured of the promise of everlasting life, but you're in a pit. You're discouraged. You need to be encouraged. One of the ways we want to do that for you tonight is just to hold your hands or to hold up your hands and pray with you as we seek the favor and face of Almighty God. Because even the best of Christians at times are broken. And they need new strength and new courage and new heart put back in them. And I promise you that God will always do what He says He will do and God will always be enough. But you have to come to Him. You have to trust Him. And you have to ask Him. And if you're here and you need of the Lord, then we encourage you to come while together we stand and while we sing. Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.